I want you to remain standing if you will. I've been preaching for 39 years and standing on that front row, the Holy Spirit said something to me. I want y'all to get ready to help me here. In 39 years, I've never heard the Lord say this, but he said there is something about a man praise that sets the whole house in order. When men begin to praise the Lord, it sets the whole house in order because the man is the head of the house as Christ is the head of the church. And the Lord said, it, when men begin to praise my name, it sets the whole house in order. Now, some of you men are looking at me and saying, Apostle, I won't praise him because I'm not emotional, but you don't have no trouble getting angry. I said, well, yeah, you don't have no trouble getting mad. But somebody in here, you need your whole house to be put in order. You need your children and your grandchildren. You need everything in your life. You need your money. You need your life to be put in order. And it's not going to be put in order until you open your mouth and praise the Lord. But God said tonight, if you will open your mouth and praise me, I'll put the whole house in order. So I ain't up here trying to be cute if you want to praise him. One, two, three. Praise him and put the whole house in order. Hey, come on, praise him. It'll put your children in order. It'll put your daughter in order. It puts the whole house in order. Uh, Y'all, I'm going to preach the word, but I feel a praise in here right now. I said, I feel a praise in here right now. Uh, when you praise the Lord, man, puts the whole house in order. I feel like God's about to do a thing. Any, any, any hungry men in here tonight? Oh, I feel you. I said, any hungry men on this side? Any hungry men on this side? I want all the hungry men to make a little noise in the room right now. If you're ready. I, I need you to, I need you to prophesy to somebody down your road and just tell them. Say this whole row is breaking through tonight. Come on. This, this whole row is breaking through. Yeah, yeah, I don't know about the row behind me. I can't tell you about the row in front of me. But how many of you can say this row right here is getting a brand new oil? This row right here is getting a brand new anointing. Uh, my, my. <sighs> I feel like preaching. I feel that head rocking, sin killing, cancer rebuking, real deal, marriage restoring, mind blowing, hallelujah. I feel that kind of anointing in here to preach. <laughs> so it's my custom to stand for the reading of God's word. If you're ready, shout bring it on. Before I preach the word, I want to honor Pastor Aaron and Amanda Crabb, my precious friends that I love with all my heart. Some of the mightiest people in Jesus I've ever known. Can we give them a God bless you? I love you. I appreciate you so much. Got my oldest daughter and my young son, my, my son, my only son. He's our youngest child. They're with me tonight. I've got my youth pastor discipleship pastor, my assistant, and my brother. We had family reunion tonight. 
Can you make all my folks welcome in the house? Now, I'm going to tell you, my brothers, I'm about to have church with you or without you. I'm old. That's how old people do. I will preach myself. I will amen myself. I will give my own altar call. I'll come right forward myself. I will lay hands on myself. I will catch myself. Then I will cover my own legs up. Come on, somebody. But how many of y'all brothers ain't going to let me do this alone tonight? I feel something, really, I feel like God's going to shift some things. I want to take some time tonight. I'm going to preach. I don't claim to be the only man that's ever preached this thought. But in the Bible days, a man's staff was more than just his staff. It was his diary. And if you study, Hebrew rabbis tell us that every notable and significant thing that ever happened in a Hebrew man's life, it was carved on his staff. He didn't have pen or paper. He didn't have a diary. So the way that they recorded their victories, when they won victories, when they faced battles, every time they overcame, they carved it on their staff. It was a running history of the faithfulness of God in their lives. I wonder if there's any brothers here tonight, you would say, Apostle, I've got a running history of the goodness of God in my life. If, if that's you, give God a praise right now that you have a... I said, if you have a running history with the Lord, give him a little praise right now. I've got a... I've got a running history. Hand me the staff. So we're going to take our text tonight, and I'm going to spend a little time with it here in Hebrews 11:21. It says, "By faith, when he was dying, Jacob blessed each of the sons of Joseph, and he he worshipped." leaning on top of his staff. He was leaning on his testimony. He was leaning on his recording of every time that God made a way out of no way. And even though he was dying, he was worshiping because he was recollecting the goodness of God. So tonight I want to take just a few minutes and I want to preach the his story behind my story. In other words, I can't give you my story without his story. I can't tell you about me without telling you about Jesus. I can't tell you about my breakthrough till I tell you how good he's been to me, how time and again he's made a way for me, how he's healed me, delivered me, encouraged me, and strengthened me. Some of y'all don't know the pit that I crawled out of to be where I am today, but I ain't got a story without his story. How many of you can say, Apostle, I don't even have a story without Jesus. Every good thing, I trace it back to Jesus. Well, if you want to get in the same oil, precious, I'm about to preach in. I want you to slip up your hands and let's just invite the Lord to have his way. I'm going to speak to you like a father tonight. So, Lord, we're asking you to have your way tonight. I pray that you will come on in this room and show the devil who's boss. 
Holy Ghost, come on in this room and show the devil who's in charge. Come on in, Holy Ghost, and throw your weight around. Save a man. Set a man free. Deliver a man. Encourage a man. Strengthen a man. Touch a man tonight. Lord, we're going to thank you that we have been blessed because of your faithfulness, and we're not ashamed to admit it. Now, if you love the Lord, come on, give him the ovation of the night. Come on. Can you shout, brothers? Can you shout? Lift up a shout. Come on. All right, before you sit down, shake hands with four or five brothers and tell them God has been good to me. God has been good to me. Now, now the reality is, at 59 years old, my friends, I can't adequately convey to you or relate my story without his story. My story is all tied up in Jesus. It's all tied up in the goodness of God. Like I said, some of you don't know the pit that I crawled out of, but God has been good to me. Is there anybody here in Tennessee tonight who would admit that you ain't got a story without Jesus? If he's been good to you before I even start preaching, one, two, three, give him praise right now. Come on. Each and every child in Bible days at a young age was presented with a staff, just like I'm holding in my hand. And of course, these staffs, precious, they were practical. They were used in practical ways as it related to shepherding and overall life and vocation. But there was another function that the staff had. It was used to record everything they had endured, everything they had come through, every battle they had won, every time they survived when they should have died, every time they made it over, every time they overcame, every time they fought and won. It was a running commentary of each and every time God had been faithful. It was a running commentary of the goodness of God. They would carve their own story in their staff. And they would remember that God was faithful. Honey, when times got tough. Sorry, I ain't calling nobody honey in here. Come on, brothers. I ain't going out like that. Can I get a witness? I'm used to preaching to all. But they all men, I ain't got, there's not a man in here that's a honey to me. I got one honey, real honey. She's my wife, my girlfriend, and my woman on the side. She's like the Lord. She's three in one. Can I get a witness? But when times got tough and when attacks seemed overwhelming, they would pull out their staff and they would remember the goodness of God. They would rehearse the faithfulness of God. See, when we remember the goodness of God in past hardships, We can lean on past memories and find victory in present battles. What are you saying, apostle? I'm saying when you remember how good God was in the last fight, it gives you power to know that if he did it before, he can do it again. I need somebody right now, if you can look back across your life and you can say, apostle, it hadn't always been easy and sometimes I've had to fight 
when I look back at the faithfulness of God, it gives me confidence that if he did it before, he can do it again. And no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. If that's you, open up your mouth and give God a praise right now. And I want to tell you that if God has ever come through for you, he's just as strong today as he was back then. And when my brother came up and testified, I said, Lord, you're saying a thing tonight because there's power in your testimony. Sometimes you have to encourage yourself. Hear me in this room. Some of you are in a fight. But you look back at what God has already done. Some of you are in a fight for your family, in a fight for your children. And you look back at what God has already done. And I've come to tell you, it's not time to quit. It's time to lean. It's time to lean on your staff. It's time to lean on your testimony. Tell everybody in your neighborhood, it's time to lean. Yeah, it's time to lean and know that if God saved one child, he can save every one of them. If God, if God healed one marriage, he can heal your marriage. It's not time to quit. It's time to lean. Tell somebody, just lean. See, the devil, the Bible says, comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But one thing he can't steal. He can't steal your story. He can't steal what you know God has already done for you. He can't steal how many times God made a way for you. He can't steal that quiet confidence sometimes that you have when all hell is breaking loose and when things are going crazy because you can look back and say, God, I know that you've been faithful before and if you've been faithful before, I come to prophesy, he's gonna be faithful again. So the devil can steal a lot, but he can't steal your story. I, I wonder if there's anybody here that's got a story. About 12 of you. I said, I wonder if there's anybody here that's got a story. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says to ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due his name. You know what that means? That means ever how good God has been to you, you ought to try to get your praise up to that level. So I want to ask a man or two tonight, how good has God been in your story? How many times has he made a way how many times has he opened the door? Why don't you ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due his name right now? So, in the Bible we read about a man named Moses. And what you've got to understand about a staff is this. A staff signifies power. I was doing my own private devotions and was reading the story of Moses. And remember, God appeared to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus 3. 
Then in Exodus 4, something amazing happens, and Moses is doubting his call. He's in the middle of doubting his God, and most of all, he's doubting himself. And then the Lord asked Moses a very unusual question. The Bible said in the second verse of Exodus 4, he said to him, so the Lord said, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. See, God will never ask you for what you ain't got. He said, what do you have in your hand? He said, I have a rod. Ain't that something? He wanted to know what, what Moses had in his hand. He had his staff. It was like he was telling Moses, son, you're carrying your own testimony. You're carrying your own record of how good I've been to you. And I'm sure carved in that staff was every time God had come through. Every miracle God had done for Moses was in that staff. From preserving his life when Pharaoh had tried to have all the male children killed to how God deposited him into Pharaoh's house to the way that God kept him even in the desert. He had already known of the faithfulness of God. God had already been so good to him that he had a running record of the goodness of God. There are some of us, God has been so good to us. God has been so faithful to us that if he never did one more thing for us, we would still give him praise and serve him the rest of our life. Is there anybody here that has it like I've got it? Can you say, Apostle, if he never blesses me with another dollar or another door, I'll live for him the rest of my life because what he has already done has been enough. Moses' staff was all about how good God had been to him. Now watch this, y'all. He's 80 years old now. He was 40 when he fled Egypt. And he's 80 years old. That makes me feel young. When he's standing before the Lord, and it may have looked like it was over, it may have looked like his best days were behind him. He didn't even have his own sheep. He was taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. Come on. And it looked like his best days were behind him. But God said, throw that staff down before me. God said, if you'll throw it down, I'll show you how to pick it up in power. Now, now watch this. God said, Moses, you may think your story is over. You may think the best is behind you. But if you get in faith, Moses, you ain't seen nothing yet. And I've come to tell somebody in Nashville, your story is still being told. There is more God-orchestrated victory on the way. And the devil wants to tell somebody in this room that your best is behind you. But I tell you, in three months, I'm going to be 60 years old. And I have not even begun to torment the devil yet. And I declare that the best is not behind me. The best is in front of me. Y'all, I'm trying to be a little bit disciplined and stay on my notes. 
but I feel like preaching the old time way. There are some of you in this room tonight and the devil has sold you a bill of goods that the best is behind you. And we're real good at borrowing pain from our future. But the Lord told me to tell somebody in the room, get ready, get ready, get ready. Stop borrowing pain, anxiety, and trouble from your future. God said, I'm about to move. Why don't you borrow some praise from your future right now? Come on, if you believe it ain't over, borrow a little praise from your future right now. Watch this. If I got an organ playing, let him join me. Watch this. In the Bible, there are seven steps of praise. One of the steps of praise is todah. It means to praise God on credit. It means to praise God like you got it. Even before you get it. Let me ask you something. If you needed a financial breakthrough... And, and, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, every dollar you needed showed up in your bank account, how would you act? If you needed transportation, your truck broke down, but you needed a truck, and you walked out, and there was a truck in the parking lot with your name on it. Y'all ain't saying nothing. How would you act? If Tennessee won a national championship, some of y'all been praying, y'all ain't saying nothing now. Let me, tell, let me ask you this. If you're trying to get to the car and your phone started vibrating, and every one of your lost children and grandchildren, all your family members had gotten saved and sanctified and baptized in the Holy Ghost, how would you act? Are you ready? One, two, three, act that way right now. That's it, brother. He said, I'm gonna run. If you wanna dance, dance. If you need to jump, jump. I'm trying to tell you that God ain't through. So, so y'all sit down and have another glass of tea. Now watch this. Sometimes the enemy will tell you that it's over. So 80-year-old Moses is standing before the Lord and said, yeah, I pretty much got everything on the staff. I'm going to have to be put on the staff. I'm too old now. But then God started moving. And he wrote, they carved down the burning bush. Where y'all at? Then he carved in the snake. Come on. I threw it down, it became a snake. He carved the snake in. Then he carved the frogs. Y'all ain't helping me. Then he carved the river of blood. Then he carved the faithfulness of God. Then he carved the release of the children of Israel. Then he carved how they walked out with the finances. 
of the, of the Egyptians. He carved out the goodness of God. If you believe God still got some stuff for you to carve in your testimony, open your mouth and give God praise. Can you imagine it? Thought it was over. Started carving. Some of y'all on your spiritual staff, you're going to be carving in the next 90 days. I said 90 days. I, this brother right here, I see you, brother. You said bring it home. I see you with the beard. You said bring it on. I declare that in the next 90 days that some of you are going to have breakthroughs that you will trace back to this conference and you will know I had to be there. Burning bush. After a snake. Flies and frogs. Y'all ain't saying nothing. River of blood. Death of the firstborn. Walked out of Egypt. With all the money. Y'all ain't saying nothing. With the possessions of the of the of the Egyptians. Then he arrives at the Red Sea. Uh, he's got Pharaoh's army behind him. Pressure behind him. And he's got the Red Sea in front of him. And you talk about stress. He's surrounded by mounds. He can't go nowhere. And he's got the sea in front of him. Some of y'all say, well, apostle, I'm going to praise the Lord when he does this and this and this and this. Once he does this, I'm going to praise him. See, sometimes you've got to learn to praise God for the partial. David had three major anointings in his life. He got his first anointing as a teenager. He got his second anointing when he was crowned king of Judah because God gave him Judah first. And then several years later, he was crowned king of all Israel. God said, I'm going to make you king of Judah before I make you king of everything else. You know what Judah means? Judah means praise. He said, I'm going to make you king of praise before I make you king of everything else. He said, I'm going to teach you to praise me for the partial. Even when you got a Red Sea in front of you, I'm going to teach you to praise me for what I've already done. Some of y'all say, Apostle, I'll praise him when he does this, and I'll praise him when he does that. But God said, You ain't even praised me for what I've already done. Sometimes you gotta praise God for what you've got on the way to what you want. So I dare somebody, take out your spiritual staff right now, look at how good God has been, and open up your mouth and praise Him for His faithfulness.
Y'all, I don't know why I'm talking so much about praise tonight. But I feel like if when men praise God, the whole house gets in order. When men praise God, something happens. When men praise God, something shifts. When men pray, I'm so tired of, of hearing people say, I don't praise because I'm too deep to praise. Praise ain't deep. Let me tell you something. There's some things that won't happen till you praise the Lord. Because you can read your Bible and still feel heavy. You can pray and still feel heavy. You can hear a preacher preach and still feel heavy. But my brothers, when you open up your mouth and begin to praise God for what you got, heaven is... Y'all, I'm trying to teach this, but one, two, three, give God a radical man praise. Oh, y'all be seated. Let me try to get back. This thing could go nuclear any second. So watch, brothers. When he stood at the Red Sea, he wasn't looking at the Red Sea. He was looking at his testimony. Some of y'all, the enemy has hypnotized you with your trouble. He has hypnotized you with your struggle. He has hypnotized you with that issue, with that addiction. Come on, somebody. Made you think that God doesn't see you where you are. But I would say, pull out your spiritual staff and rejoice in the Lord. It says, Lord, if you were big enough then, you're big enough now. You can heal then, you can heal now. If you put his marriage back together, you can put my marriage back together. If you saved his drug addicted son, you can save my drug addicted son. So tonight, even if you feel broken, brother, even if you're here tonight and you're trying to put on a good face but you feel weak or hurt, there is strength in your own story. There is hope in your own story. Then I'm reminded of another story. David, now David was a praiser, wasn't he? David was radical. I'm too manly to praise God. Man, David was a manly man. David was a renaissance man. David would kill you and then write a poem about it. Come on, somebody. <laughs> He'd kill you and then write a song about it. When did David... It, Take Saul's daughter, but how many 200-something foreskins of Philistines? I don't know how y'all are in Tennessee, but we ain't giving that up without a fight. Can I get a witness in this house? <laughs> David, you taking that from a man, you a bad man pajama. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Saul. Remember in 1 Samuel 17, can I tell you this? In 1 Samuel 16, David got anointed. 1 Samuel 17, he got in a fight. I hear people say all the time, Apostle, I want, a, I want an anointing. Apostle, pray for me to get that anointing. And I, my question is, why? Because war follows anointing. 
I better say that again. Oh, apostle, lay your hands on me and give me that anointing. Let just impart something to me. Baby, you better be careful because if you really get anointed, war follows anointing. David got anointed in chapter 16. He gets in a fight with Goliath in chapter 17. But what I love about the story is David had the anointment before he had the appointment. That means before he ever got on the battlefield, he already had what he needed to defeat Goliath. I don't know who I'm talking to, but God's gonna pour something out in this conference tonight that by the time you get to the battle, every giant is gonna fall. David's young, he's ruddy, he's just a youth. Goliath's greatest mistake that day was he underestimated a teenager. I'm believing for revival in Gen Z. Can I get a witness here? Now, David is preparing to face Goliath. Can I just hang here a minute? Do I have a time limit? Okay. Some of y'all men, your honey got tight just then. You just drew up. That's okay. <laughs> David said, what happens to the brother that defeats this giant? Now, the giant is nine feet, nine inches tall. The head of the spear weighs 25 pounds. He's 425 to 475 pounds himself. David is just a youth. And David said, what happens to the man that defeats him? He said, well, you, you get audience with the king. You get connected. You're going to have power. David said, ooh, power. He said, yeah. He said, then you get a financial reward. and Your family won't have to pay taxes anymore. You're going to get money. He said, money, power and money. And, he's, and then they said, yeah, and then you get a woman. You get to marry the king's daughter. Be a teenager. You mean I get a woman? I get sex? I get power? Money? Y'all ain't saying nothing. He said, there's a reward on the other side of it. Let me tell you, as I get older, I'm at a place in my life where I say, what's in it for me? When I was younger, I would fight just to fight. When I was younger, I would get in it just to get in it. But now as I get older, I ain't going to fight. Y'all ain't saying nothing. I got to know there's a reward on the other side of the fight. I got to know that when I come through this, I'm walking out with something I didn't walk in with. How many of you are ready to fight if there's a reward on the other side of it? Make a little noise, brothers, if that's you. You get, you get power, money, and sex. So I got power or sheep. Money or sheep? 
sex? Oh, she, where we fight? Where, where's the fight? I'm, 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 where's the... Power, money, sex, PMS. Come on, somebody. How many of y'all know that's done a lot of brothers in? Can I get a witness in the room? Yes, sir. But how many of y'all can say, Apostle, I'm in a season in my life where I will fight every giant I've got to fight, but I'm not going to settle without the destiny of God in my life. If that's you, open up your mouth and shout, my brothers. So, so let's walk the path out. David is in there with Saul, and Saul is trying to convince him to wear his armor. And David said, Saul, I can't wear this. It's unproven. I got to stick with what's works. I got to use my stuff. Let me tell you, he basically had a rock and a rag. That, that's what he had. He didn't have hardly anything. And he said, your armor is unproven. See, you need to be able to discern those that hinder you and those that help you. Anything that would supersede your reliance on God, you better not have it in your life. He said, he said, I have to have what's proven. I need to use my stuff. You don't know it, brother, but you got some stuff. The devil doesn't want you to know it, but God has armed you and equipped you. And maybe yours don't look like your brother's, but whatever you need to win your battle, God's going to make sure you got it. Let me tell you something. I know that there's a lot better preachers than me. I know there's a lot, a lot of preachers that articulate better than I do, they're more homiletical, hermeneutical, exegetical, theological, come on somebody. They've got more degrees than a thermometer, but baby, let me get my stuff. If you put me in an atmosphere with my stuff, I will tear the whole room apart because what I've got works for me. I dare somebody, if you believe what you've got works for you, you've got a praise for what you got right now. So are you ready for this? Saul's trying to convince him to wear his armor. David told Saul, it's unproven. It doesn't fit me. You head and shoulders taller than any man in Israel. Let me take what I got and don't miss what he did. So David, verse 40, then David took his Shepherd staff. Then selected five smooth stones. He got his staff with his testimony carved in it. He had carved a lion, y'all, and a bear there. He had carved his anointing there. Before he grabbed his weapon, he grabbed his testimony because he knew what all of us need to learn. 
Sometimes you gotta rehearse the past to move forward into the future and say, God, if you were big then, you're big right now. Somebody give God a praise if you got a testimony of the faithfulness of God. And it was that same, it was that same David. Years ago, years later, who said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, y'all ain't saying nothing. They comfort me. It don't matter where I am. It doesn't matter what I go through. David said, when I pull out my staff, I once was young, but now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. God has been faithful to me. So watch this. Your peace, your power, your comfort is linked to rehearsing God's goodness in times gone by. I've learned, y'all, at 59 years old to live in gratitude. I've learned to be grateful. I'm about to say a thing. I want you to hear it. Anything you're ungrateful for, you feel entitled to. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. I said anything you're, un you're ungrateful for, you feel entitled to. I've been watching people, they, 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 don't feel, they don't feel grateful about their salvation. They don't feel grateful to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. They don't feel grateful to be saved. They don't feel grateful anymore for the cross because now all of a sudden they've got good enough for Jesus and they, they earned it. But I feel like I'm in a room with some brothers tonight who know when you wasn't fit to live and you were scared to die, he made a way right out of no way. So put your gratitude on display right now and say, God, I got to thank you for everything. Uh. Get a brother by the hand and, says, and wake him up and look at a brother and say, hey brother, say this praise right here is for everything God gave me that I know I didn't deserve. Now give him a praise like you know. Come on, that's a little praise. Praise it for everything you got that you know you don't even deserve. David declared here, said even if I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, it ain't my first rodeo. Even though I'm walking through trouble right now, this ain't the first time I've been in trouble. 
even though things are going crazy right now, my son rebelled, stole the kingdom. This ain't the first time I've been in trouble and he came through before and if he came through before, I got a feeling everything's gonna be all right and he will come through again. Look at your staff, brothers. David declared, your staff comforts me. He would not fear. He looked at his staff. He wouldn't be swallowed up in the moment. He looked at his staff. Your staff will talk to you if you will let it. I said your staff will talk to you. You'll, you'll testify to your own self. Ah. Now, can I go on? Numbers 20, Israel is thirsty. They're dry, they're in a the desert. They're complaining. You know anybody that complains a lot? Don't point at them, they're sitting on your row, come on. <laughs> Moses took his staff, his testimony, and he struck the rock at Horeb. And when he struck the rock, fresh, cold, clean, pure, water flowed out. The animals were refreshed and they were refreshed. Are you in a dry season? Let me tell you, nothing deals with hard and dry seasons like remembering the times of refreshing that God made a way for you and provided for you in the past. Nothing will thrill your soul and quench your thirst. If you've been in a hard and dry place, brother, you need to get your spiritual staff out of remembrance and recollection, and it will release a fresh season in your life. You have your staff. It stabilizes things, doesn't it? People, I've watched them with a staff. I never really appreciated one. Until a couple of years ago, we went to the Red Rocks and uh, we hiked up all these mountains. Come on, somebody. And I never lived in the mountains. I was born way down in the south in L.A., lower Alabama. I was born in the country, but I was raised in the hood. So that makes me a hood neck. Come on, somebody. That means pray with me, don't play with me. Can I get a witness? That's exactly what that means. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. But I've never been hiking up in the mountains. And I have a middle daughter, actually my youngest daughter, and her joy in life is to catch me stumbling or falling or slipping and sliding. It is the truth. She filmed me the entire time and then would post it. Felt like saying, girl, I'm about to slap you so hard when you wake up, your clothes will be in style. Come on, somebody, but I wouldn't strike my children like that. So finally, you know what I found me? A big old stick. Let me tell you, Big Daddy was out doing them all then. I was walking, I could, it, wasn't, it didn't matter how sharp it was, I put that stick down, I would go. And I was moving, you know why? Because my staff gave me stability. Places I should have failed, I didn't fall because I had my staff. 
And I want to tell you, maybe it's shaky right now. Maybe it's shaky with your children. Maybe it's shaky with your marriage. Get your staff out and say, God, I'm going to be stabilized by your goodness. I'm going to be stabilized by your grace. Now, let's take it all the way to the New Testament. Mark 6, and he called the 12 to himself and began to send them out two by two. Watch this. And he gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them, take nothing for the journey. No bag, no bread, no copper, no money. Take nothing for the journey except, except a what? Except the staff. He said, don't take a bag, don't take bread, don't take copper, don't take money. Just bring your staff. He said, bring your testimony with you. Oh, bring the time that I walked on the water, the time I raised Lazarus from the dead, the time I raised the little boy. Just bring your staff with you. I dare somebody right now, if you're going to keep your staff with you, give God a shout of praise right now. The Bible says that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. When you testify, that's why I know, sir, that it wasn't an accident that you came up and testified tonight. I sat there and I said, there it is, Lord. I know I'm in your river because there was something about your testimony that encouraged you and encouraged the people around you. If you want to overcome, just start testifying of the faithfulness of God. Your testimony will release victory. Next thing about a staff, it's a symbol of leadership. One of the things the Bible said was that each tribal leader was given a staff. All the 12 tribes, think about that. Each leader was given a staff. See, real leaders have a testimony. A real leader that sustains has been through something. I'm not talking about these little pretend leaders on Instagram. But that lollipop licking religion and shaking back anointing. Come on somebody. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. They're trying to show you their pretend life with all their bought followers. I wish I could find somebody. No, no, that no. A real leader has a staff that's been carved on. A real leader has been hurt. I, I, I heard what you said about church hurt. Listen, people, oh, I've been church hurt. We've been people hurt. But if you want to get really real, I, I shouldn't say this. It would be too much for you. Hey, I, I know pastors that have been church hurt more than anybody in the whole wide world because they love their church so much and they love their people so much and all hell broke. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. I want a leader that's been through something. I want a leader that's fought hell. I want a leader that's made it that can tell me if I made it, son, you can make it. I want a leader. I don't need a cute leader. I need a leader that's got some scars. 
That ain't in my notes. That's free. Every leader. Every leader had a staff full of testimonies. If you want to be a leader, you bet you better get ready. If you want to be a leader, you're going to have some testimonies. If you want to be a leader, you have to fight hell. You want to be a leader, you got to fight for your children. You got to fight for your marriage. You got to fight against this crooked and perverse culture. They can't even tell the difference between a man and a woman. Y'all, y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Telling us we can't assign the gender of a child when he's born or when she's born. All these thousands of years, we've been able to identify a boy and a girl. If it had a boy apparatus, it's a boy. If she had a girl apparatus, it's a girl. Now the American Medical Association tells us that we can't identify the gender of a child when it's born. The sexual, you can't, you can't identify it internally. What, so you can't assign it. Are you crazy? You know what America needs? America needs a revival of sanity. America needs some men that will rise up and say, have you gone crazy? They would come together, watch this now, and they would bring their staffs to the tabernacle. And when they would join their staffs together, read the Bible. It's in the Bible, you can't make it up. They brought their staffs to the tabernacle. And when they joined their testimonies together, something happened. There was something about the men yeah, coming together with their testimonies that released a power in the tabernacle. See, the truth is there's something that happens when men get together and testify. Because the truth is every man in here has been in a fight and most men in here are in a fight. But the truth is, maybe you're wrestling with pornography. Maybe you're wrestling with addiction. Maybe you're wrestling with lust. Maybe you're wrestling with greed. What you don't know is somewhere around you, there is a man who has carved on his staff, I overcame pornography by the power of the Holy Ghost. And if God can do it for that man. There ain't one thing that you're fighting that some man in this room doesn't have carved on his staff. There there ain't one thing that you're dealing with that some man ain't already overcome. There ain't one thing that you're wrestling with that God ain't already done for some brother in this room. If God's done anything for you, God, I wish you would give him praise right now. Let let this praise be your testimony. I loaded up two young men with me. Come on up here. 
Pastor Christian, you got your staff. This is our discipleship pastor. I want him to testify a little bit. Everybody give God, Pastor Christian, a God bless you. Come on. No, no. This is my son in the faith. Give him a big God bless you right now. Come on. 2013, I was as far from him as I could have ever been. I was a senior in college, and I had been diagnosed with anxiety and depression. I was, di uh, I was prescribed antidepressants, and in order to cope with life, I had turned to early times and drugs. I was bound in pornography, lust. I was living in sexual immorality. And one day I got tired of it, and I got to the end of myself. And about 2 a.m. in the morning, I lifted my hands towards heaven. And it was as if heaven opened up, and the Spirit of God came down. Oh, come on, somebody. The Spirit of God came down in my college dorm room, and the finger of God touched my life. And 10 years today, I haven't touched drugs. I haven't touched alcohol. I haven't seen pornography one time in over a decade. And I'm here to tell you tonight, if he did it for me, he can do it for you. And I don't know what you need him to do in this place, but if you'll throw your hands towards heaven and say, Spirit of God, come in my life, have your way, he'll do it. If you believe it's your night tonight, why don't you lift up a shout of praise in this place tonight? Come on and give God a praise in here right now. Maybe you got a son that's jacked up. Maybe you got a son that's in college. But if God did it for him, give him a shout that he can do it in your life. Let me tell you about this boy right here too. I've never seen anybody walk in a more accurate gift of a word of knowledge in this young man right here. Our church is in perpetual revival and 10 years ago he was bound up by pornography. Tonight he's in Tennessee and he's showing you his staff. Somebody ought to praise the Lord. No, you ought to praise the Lord. Come up AJ. This is my newest staff member. Everybody give Pastor AJ a God bless you. So as I look back on my life, I believe what my staff would say is promise keeper because some of you don't know in this room, I did not grow up in a church family. My mom was not saved. My dad was not saved. Church was not in our vocabulary. My dad, a very abusive father in and out of prison. And then I adopted this mentality and going through elementary school and middle school, I had found myself stuck in drugs, stuck in depression, stuck in anxiety, stuck with um, people acceptance. But one day my mom decided that she was gonna put me in a private Christian school. And on top of all that, it was a Pentecostal school. Come on, somebody. So I said, hold on a second, this is a new world to me. But then finally, 11th grade year came around. I didn't know what my purpose was. I did not know what my calling was. I wanted to drop out of school, but I made up in my mind that I was going to try God. And I gave him my everything, and I was called into ministry. And in a moment, every addiction that I had broke. Never again did I go back. In a moment, the bipolar disorder I had, it broke over my life. And just last week, I preached a message about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and over 20 of our students got filled with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I'm trying to tell somebody in this room, he's a promise keeper. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. 
because all of his promises are yes and amen. Oh, you want to give him a shout? All right. If your praise is your testimony, one, two, three, praise the Lord. Oh, come on and make it radical. Come on, you're getting the whole house in order. You're getting the whole house in order, brothers. We are more powerful. I'm trying to close this. Everybody stand to your feet. I feel like there is such a thank you, Jesus, in this room right now. There is such a praise in this room right now. I want you to look at one brother, look him right in the eye. If they won't look in the eye, then look him in the ear hole. And just say, brother, you don't know my story. You, you may not understand my praise, but you don't know my story. Tell him, say, if you knew my story, you would understand why I got to praise him. Just like this. Praise him. Yay. If you got to step in the aisle, step in the aisle. If you got to jump, jump. If you got to dance, dance. If you got to run, run. But praise him. Yeah, yeah. However, you gotta praise him. Come on, I'm gonna give you 60 seconds. Unlock something in your life. There's a shift coming if you're praising. There's a shift coming if you're praising. Come on, 45 seconds. 45 seconds. Open your mouth, brothers. 40 seconds. Come on, this is what you did for me, God. I gotta praise you for it. 30 seconds, come on. Somebody needs to just walk around right now. Somebody needs to step out of your pew right now, just walk around. 20 seconds. Come on. Somebody stepping into a new season, just walking around. 15. Somebody's walking into a new season, 10. That's it. Six. Five. God help me. The whole house is getting in order. The whole house is getting in order. The whole house is getting in order. I'm stuck on five. Because the whole house is getting in order. I said I'm stuck on five. Come on, somebody's children are getting in order. Somebody's daughter is getting in order. Four. I'm stuck on four. I, I, I can't hurry you. God said I'm shifting and while they praise me. Three. Two. One. Shout. Oh, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for everything on my staff. Thank you for every mountain you brought me over. Thank you for every trial you see me through. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. That is who you are.